This is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And we have two wonderful guests uh, who just had their opening night last night. Yay! Jessica Malay? Mealy. Mealy. See, I screwed her up anyway. Yep. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> and May Leong. Uh, Jessica Mealy, you have written a one-woman show called Eat the Mama. I have. At Z-Space. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it's Z-Space. Z nice. Z-Below. Z-Below. The Z-Below. Little, the little oh, I know. one. I, I spend a lot of time there. Yeah. And, uh, and May, ladies, how are you doing and how was last night? It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I was telling, I was telling them, like, at the end of the show... When the lights came up for the audience, it was just a bunch of people crying, <laughs> like tears. <laughs> Which is my secret goal. It's always the secret goal in theater to make people cry in the audience. But I was crying. Our designers were crying. My partner was crying. Everybody mm-hmm. was just crying. Hey, hey, an emotional reaction. That's what you're looking for as a writer, as a as an artist. You want to make sure that people connect with what you're saying. So that's really, really cool. And you felt good, Jessica? I I did. I did feel good. I um, I'm just kind of bowled over by how I wrote, started writing this piece about two years ago. But to put it together with the creativity of mm-hmm. May and the sound designer, mm-hmm. um, Sarah and the lighting designer, Sophia and our set designer, who happens to be my brother Tim, <laughs> <laughs> and our stage manager, like it has just been um, magical. To combine creative powers like that, um, so it feels good. No, no, it's wonderful. And we'll hear more, uh, learn more about uh, your piece, and also more things that you're doing, and just your careers, and um, and all of that stuff. As I begin uh, each podcast, how's your week, Norman? Uh, it's been a very medical week. I I, um, I see a regular doctor every nine months, so that came up. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the urologist, which was a little bit of a cheering thing. She was like, oh, you're doing really great. I'm like, oh, okay. That's and then awesome. then she calls me back and says, oh, but I forgot to tell you, we want to do a um, a biopsy mm-hmm. on your prostate. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's just partly age. Mm. You get to this oh. age. And they're like, well, I just want to make sure. Yeah. I wonder if doctors try to slip that bad, not that it's bad news, like, oh, you're doing great. Oh, by the way, well, you know, can we? Because <laughs> that's um, the other, uh, the regular doctor. Can we do a sports sort of surgery? Said, you, know. you haven't done a colonoscopy yet. And I'm like, no, I haven't. Oh. But I've been hearing people's stories. And God. it's my turn, apparently. My turn coming up. I'm like, okay. Now, is it one of those tests that they send to you at home? Or no, no they send this... you stuff yeah. and you do stuff. Yeah. And then you bring stuff in sure but uh, the colonoscopy they're actually going to go up in there in the butt bob yeah and I'm like okay that that does not sound fun and um, they're like and you know do you want to get your shots Uh, you know it's flu season's coming Mm -hmm. up flu shots and shingles and I'm like so tell me the deal with shingles and she's like well you know it used to be that all kids got chicken pox Mm -hmm. and so if you had chicken pox that means you've got it in your system and when it pops out, it's very, very uncomfortable. And it's very treatable if they catch it early, but most people are just like, what's this? Yeah. And you wait a couple of weeks, and by then it's too late. 
his description of it was way more graphic, and I was like, I'm getting those shots. <laughs> oh, God. And I went to get them, and the lady's like, do you want both of them today? I'm like, yes, both today. So they hit me in both arms, mm-hmm. took blood. I touched them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's All that this sore. morning? No, this was a couple of days ago. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, doctor, gotcha. And then yeah. yesterday was the urologist. I see. Okay, well, hey, you know, you're 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 functioning. You're upright. I, I, I am a candidate. A cheer, I am a cheerleader for kegling. <laughs> and you got a birthday as coming you get up older, too. It, yeah, it helps. Yeah, and you've got your uh, birthday coming up, which is why you won't be here next week. No, um, no, no, no. Next week is my birthday ride. Yes, um, I do a ride, a bike ride on the Bay Bridge. Oh, cool! Oh, oh yeah, you guys are totally welcome. I'm. That's, I'm, so fun. that's what I'm going to do the rest of this afternoon is be sending invites out to people and say, "Come on," because we usually get. Maybe a dozen, maybe a little less than a dozen folks that come out. We ride. The bridge is not that hard a ride. Hmm. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then we ride back to Ikea, and we go to the Ikea cafe, and we have a nice lunch. So oh, uh, fun. it's me and uh, another high school alum. Um, this will be the 10th anniversary. Oh, right. I put it out there mm-hmm. 11 years ago. I put it out there that I wanted to do this for my birthday. And he, we hadn't even been in touch at all. He oh, wow. just happened to be Facebook friends. And he was like, would it be okay if I came? Oh, and he's hey. a year or two younger than me. So I'm remembering this little squirrely yeah. kid. This six foot tall dude <laughs> who works for Zynga okay. shows up. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. So we've been doing it every year. Mm-hmm. And a little group of friends. And then we go and... You know, our, our, my birthday's in October. His birthday is the end of September. So we just usually we do it in between. This mm-hmm. time we're actually doing it a little earlier. Nice, nice. I forgot to bring out the water. I noticed there was something missing there, but uh, <laughs> you have everything else. We will survive. Yeah, it looks it's quite a spread. Yeah, May, if I can get you to bring your mic up just a little bit. Uh, there you go. You're perfect. Um, cool. There have been some current events. I will. I turned on the newspaper this morning. I, well, I say newspaper. I'm in. I'm in Generation Xer. I mean, right. the I visited the CNN website, and the very first thing, apparently, uh, some um, there's some Christian cult that uh, a woman was found dead and all that stuff. So it's a little little icky. Mm-hmm. But um, there's been a lot of current events dealing with women, uh, mm. and you and I were talking about this May off the mic. Uh, the Spain Federation president. So, so the World Cup happened, and women, oh, uh, Spain right. women Spain won. won. Yeah. And you would think such a wonderful, uh, uplifting, glorified, you know, event for a woman would just totally spoiled when the uh, Spain Federation president just plants a kiss on the uh, the star athlete, and uh, he finally resigns. Although he had to be dragged and screamed. Oh, yeah, he was yeah, <laughs> oh, sorry. Has he finally officially resigned? Yes, yeah, he has resigned. They forced him. They needed to. Yeah, but it, it just it, it amazes me that, you know, in America, there's, of course, there is sexual assault, but there is at least a culture of, hey, that's not cool. You can't mm. do that. And it sounds like in other countries, you know, it's still, well, what's the problem? Mm. And it's really, really weird. Also, Michigan State coach, he was suspended after, oh, this is a horrible story. So <laughs> I, I had to just drag. <laughs> it's oh, like, God. hey, let me tell you these really, really horrible stories. But this is what's happening in the world. So this Michigan State, so this woman who had been a victim of sexual assault in Michigan, I don't think it happened in Michigan State, but she was, uh, she went to college and she was brutally raped. And she is now gone as an activist to talk oh, right. about sexual yes. assault mm. to college kids. Say, hey, listen, this is not normal behavior. You need to stop this. She was recruited by the Michigan State coach to say, hey, listen, 
come speak to my guys. Come speak to my uh, football team Mm -hmm. so that they can learn about this. And to make a long story short, the Michigan State coach came on to her. To her. And, you know, now he's uh, he's being suspended. Not fired. But suspended. Oh my God! Even with all that, Michigan State, and of course they have all sorts of texts and whatever. And he says, "Well, it's consensual. You know, we we have a relationship." And she's like, "What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Just re-victimizing the victim all right. over again." Oh my yeah. God! This um, has not been a good week for this, damn. <laughs> and not that I search for this stuff, but this stuff just happens. I'm sure, ladies, you can talk about it. Just toxic men or just dealing with this uh, I mean are things are th- let me ask you this are things getting better or worse do you think in the world mm, interesting regarding um, do, do you feel safe as a woman I'll, oh, I'll just never, say this no never never <laughs> I've never felt totally safe mm. in the world in a female body mm-hmm. I think um, I was telling May this the other day and I don't like I don't endorse Louis C.K. and all of the horrible things he has done. Oh, God, that's another thing, yeah. And also, he did, I think, if I'm misquoting this, someone else tell me, but he did say in one of his routines, um, men are afraid that women are going to laugh at them, and women are afraid that men are going to kill them. Yes, he did say that. And I think that was a very true statement. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I mean, this whole sorry, not sorry, this is a documentary. I'm not sure if it was produced by him or whatever, but it's like, okay, so I, I mean, I hate to be graphic, jacked off in front of a woman, you know, and um, I've been canceled, but I'm back. Yeah. We're cool, right? And apparently the audience is like, yeah, 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 you're cool. So I don't know. I don't know who gets a free pass and who doesn't or whatever. It's crazy. It's bizarre yeah and we've got things about uh what's happening in the deep south regarding abortion you know there was a Mm -hmm. woman who was thrown in jail for giving her daughter an abortion pill right um so that's happening in poland they've discovered a um a um a test to determine if you have taken an abortion pill or not Mm -hmm. which is another way that the south will try to to criminalize Mm -hmm. uh this thing it's 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 almost like apartheid. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. On the um, other hand, Mexico has just went, hey! Yeah. I know. Same-sex marriage and abortion and mm-hmm. boom. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. That, that is really, really wonderful. Um, another thing, have you heard of the Crown Act? Have you heard of the Crown Act? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, the Crown Act, apparently, I don't know if it's a federal or a state. I, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. But basically saying you should not be discriminated based on the style of your hair. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a Houston school that that um, sent a black boy home because he had locks. Yeah. Which was eternal de- defying of the Crown Act. So yeah. there, there's a political war that's still going on. I mean, you know, Trump <laughs> yes, is, is. is still running for president even though he may, you know, be indicted yet again. And, in jail. Um, <clears throat> how, how are you guys handling things politically? I mean, are you... Are you oh my God. Are you optimistic of 2024? Um, are you surprised that even after you know Trump has been out of office, we're still dealing with this toxicity? And that is happening so much on a local level. I mean, these aren't just federal things that are going on, but it's happening in a state level and in a local level. Yeah. So. Not really looking forward to the elections. I became mm. a citizen recently, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you so much. I voted for the first time a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and it's weird because before I'm like, well, 
I, I don't have a say in that. So it is mm. what it is. And now mm. that I can vote, I'm like, yeah. oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, I know, like, you know, a lot of um, you know, people who are jaded are like, oh, one vote's not going to count, especially if you're from California. But having not been able to vote and then being able to vote as an adult mm. um, has definitely changed the way that I think about politics. And it almost makes me more angry now. Like, before I was, like, angry, but... What could you do? What can I do? I, <laughs> I couldn't do anything, right? Um, but now it's like, oh, God. So it's, like, <clears throat> researching and looking at things. Um, I, I, I just think it's going to be a mess in 2020. Mm, yeah. I mean, the, the Republican debates that they had recently, the first one. Oh, oh yeah. God. yeah. Oh Did you watch? I can't even watch. Snippets. Oh and God. I was like, nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I know. I, I watched clips and I was like, oh, you people. Yeah. It's insane. And it's very weird. And it's crazy that the presence of Trump, I mean, Trump is still in the lead as far as Republican polls are concerned, despite right. the fact that he's not taking part in any of these debates. Mm-hmm. But it's just presence is just there. Speaking of that, there's an interesting little thing. Tim Scott. Tim Scott is the black oh, Republican right. yeah. senator uh, from South Carolina. Yeah. There's an interesting story about him being single and people having issues with being yeah. single. Oh, yeah. As if, well, you can't be president. You have to be married to be a president. That's what we respect, despite the fact that we've had uh, well, the 50, big 50, questions about what's going on in his bedroom. Well, well, mm. well yeah. Is he gay? Yeah. I mean, who cares? Oh, really? <laughs> well, they do. That's the thing. Yeah. This is their thing. Yeah. Hey, dude, you chose to be a Republican president. I mean, you chose to be a Republican. So yeah. You yeah. wouldn't have this problem if you were a Democrat. <laughs> so, but it's just weird. It's weird how we, st- in 2023, breaking all of a lot of barriers. You know, we, you and I, off mic, talked about um, who is the uh, actor who may be playing James Baldwin? Um, oh, um, was it? Oh, no, you were talking about uh, Billy Porter. Billy Porter. Yeah, oh, Billy Porter. Really? It's, it's like. Oh, He's, you know, flamboyant and out and very proud and little Ness X. And it's like, hey, you know, what's the big deal? And, of course, we've had plenty of lesbians who have been on, you know, the big screen. And Ellen, I think, is is having another TV show, although Mm. people are a little Mm -hmm. controversial about that. But you would think these issues, they don't matter anymore. Well, Mm. apparently they do. I mean, what's the big deal? Okay, somebody is single, you know. I think they just don't have anything else to run on, so they have to Mm. fear monger. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fear mongering. I think I also wonder, like stories about disgraced men, and sometimes they come back. And Trump is an example of this. I think men sometimes get a pass for a second, yeah. you know, second second go at power when women who are disgraced in a similar way just don't. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, like Ellen is an example, and I don't know that I I don't endorse like maybe her. Uh, her hostile work environment mm-hmm. or anything, um, I think it's harder for women to come back from something like that. But yeah. Jimmy Fallon just had a similar thing happen with his show. Right. and uh, Having a hostile workplace, but, oh, it's Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, yeah. we love him. <laughs> right, yeah. I think men, even when contrition is real, like even when someone is really humbled and comes back after that, I, f- I feel like it's it's often men who get the second opportunity and women yeah. don't. Yeah. I've always felt there's been this cliche or this belief that women are somehow more purer mm-hmm. and therefore sure. it, when they commit a sin, whatever the sin is, yeah. Yeah. then 
it's you know it's, it's a cardinal it's, sin it's even worse right exactly yes. it's a stain that can't get off of the you know proverbial cloth or whatever it is which is really really horrible i mean even kamala harris there have been talks about well you know maybe she shouldn't be on the ticket for yeah. what for being a strong black woman yeah right what's the big deal i, I love anytime somebody's trying to complain about her I'm like, <clears throat> I have my issues with Kamala Harris, but competency, not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she's earned her spot. And mm-hmm. if she were in charge, I imagine she would be amazing. So, yeah. I think there's a challenge that women in public life have in being vulnerable and being accepted for that vulnerability. And I think Kamala is a great example of that. I think she's super competent. Mm-hmm. I think she has had to choose really carefully the moments when she is vulnerable, mm-hmm. like when she called out Joe Biden in that debate um, right. about right. welfare reform. And um, and Hillary Clinton could not get herself to be vulnerable in a human way <laughs> right. in front of people. And I think that's because, my opinion, purely my opinion, she has led a lifetime in the public view and has had to be impervious yeah. to... So much criticism. And let's be honest, having to be like the man. It's like, hey, this is the man's game. I've got to be that way. And I'm sure Hillary had to feel that way ever since the 80s and being a first lady, but yet a first lady who has a say on legislature. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, it's it's horrible. I mean, you know, like we want our women to be vulnerable or we don't want to be emasculated as men. You know, mm. my God, a woman is telling me what to do, you know. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's just horrible. Just really, really horrible. Um, speaking of women, Lauren Bolbert was oh, kicked God. out. Oh, no. Robert Bolbert. Got kicked out of Beetlejuice. Apparently yeah. she was singing and whatever. And vaping. And vaping. And, and groping, apparently. Oh, I didn't know, not know that. Yes. And of oh, course, she pulled, the, she pulled the, uh, who do you think, don't you know who I am? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> my mom, my mom, who is not a psychiatrist or a mental health professional at all, thinks she has, <laughs> she has mental health issues. And I, my reaction to that was like, can we have empathy for people who don't appear to have empathy for others? <laughs> right, exactly. Because <laughs> I just don't think she does. <laughs> And empathy for narcissism or really just, you know, um, what do you call it? Just entitlement. Yeah. She feels entitled. Yeah, exactly. Excuse me. And the last thing, 600,000 gallons of wine poured in the streets of Portugal. Oh, no. Apparently oh, someone was transporting wine, I guess, Tragedy. in a, a van or trailer or whatever. <laughs> and it capsized and it was a river of, I mean, it was, it was almost biblical. I did not know this. It's like, I imagine people were grabbing their glasses. I know. know. Go out the street, yeah. What a visual. Right, exactly. And with that, let's have an origin story. Um, Jessica Malay? Mealy. Mealy. I will get it right eventually. Um, Where were you born and raised, and uh, how did the theater bug bite you? Okay. Um, I was born in Rochester, New York. I wow. was raised in Rentham, Massachusetts. That's Rentham with a W R E N. They have outlet malls there. And um, that's probably the only thing people know about Rentham. <laughs> and uh, how did the theater bug? My mom's always been. Uh, do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother. He's our set designer. Right on. All right. He does sets for film and television in New York. Uh-huh. So. Um, it was such a joy to be able to work with him on this because yeah. uh, usually I see him at Christmas and I see him in the summer and that's it. Mm-hmm. But we got to c- collaborate creatively and he was really my first creative partner when we were kids. That's so awesome. It's so like cute. so, so cool. So the theater book bit, bit both of you. Yeah, well, my mom is a storyteller okay. and an early childhood educator. And yeah. so from an early age, she was 
playing the guitar, telling stories, singing songs. We mm-hmm. were very embarrassed when she did that in front of our friends. <laughs> yeah. And um, and uh, and she also made sure we all went to the theater. You know, we listened to musicals in the car oh, nice. all the time. We knew the entire Les Mis album. <laughs> um, she grew up outside of New York, so she would go in for special occasions to see Broadway shows when she was uh-huh. a kid with her mom. So it was kind of a tradition in my family, and my brother and I started doing theater in high school. And then I got to college, and I did a play my first year, and I was like, all these theater people at college are very serious. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I am yeah. interested in other things. And so I didn't end up majoring in theater. I got interested in other things, but always kind of kept... What was your major? Um, I I was a double major in anthropology and French, and that just really means I didn't know what I wanted to major in, but I did want to study abroad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my major. Very nice. Yes. Uh, May, I'll bring you in. Uh, You were born in China, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was born in a city called Tianjin, China, which is like the fourth largest city um, in China. It's a port city. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I was seven years old when my family immigrated here to the U.S., and the first city we ever lived in was Oakland, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, That's um, a crazy place to migrate, because they all would think like the bigger cities like L.A. or New York or something like that, but they came directly to the Bay. Yeah. Oakland's a big city. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a huge <laughs> Chinese population here, yeah, even right. though um, a lot of the people here in the Bay Area are Cantonese, and I speak Mandarin from like northern part of China, yeah. China whereas a lot of people here um, who are Chinese are from the southern part so it was still a bit isolating but I have a twin sister mm-hmm. and so we just like spoke Chinese to each other and learned English by watching TV yeah um, watching like cops and like sister sister <laughs> whoa the WB uh-huh. <laughs> the WB if uh, people remember that yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah so um, and then my family moved north to the North Bay to San Rafael and then to Santa Rosa where mm-hmm. they live now and then I came back to Berkeley for school and then and then now I'm back in Oakland so, it's been a big so were you involved in theater did you have an interest in theater when you were young um no I <laughs> so my parents were in the medical profession in China my dad was actually a brain surgeon and then wow. he met my mom as mm-hmm. a nurse in the nurse in the same hospital um and so I just thought I was gonna be a doctor too mm-hmm. um I mean it's a very typical story for a lot of Asian people here but I wanted to be a doctor and my dad was actually kind of like are you sure about that? It's very stressful. Very stressful. Um, he actually, like, yeah, he, he went through a lot of stuff in China. And so when he came to the U.S., he became an entrepreneur, which is even more stressful. But, um, but yeah, so he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally sure. And I did a lot of um, pre-college program stuff in school. Um, I did do, like, theater mm-hmm. um, outside of school. I was in choir. I was in band. I did all mm. of those things. And mm-hmm. so I did, like, musicals at high school. And that was really, really fun. So when I went to college, I was like, okay, I'm going to major in integrative biology at UC Berkeley. And I'm pre-med. But I'm going to have minor in theater because that's a fun thing that I can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, yeah, everybody was super serious. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, lo- I love these pre-expectations of what theater is going to be for yeah, someone who has it. So much fun, and then everyone was like, "Ah, Shakespeare," and I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." Um, but then I received uh, a, gr- um, a scholarship. Um, 
the California Dream Act, so which is like a scholarship for undocumented students. I was undocumented mm-hmm. as well, from, mm-hmm. um, and actually during college, I had to go through court because they were deporting my family, and so I wow. did a lot of wow. activism wow. like wow. during that time. Yeah, I have had so many lives. So <laughs> the theater's <Yeah>. like. <laughs> No, 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 it's, it's, it's cool to hear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but I got the Dream, the California Dream um, uh, scholarship, so, mm-hmm. which paid for another year, so I ended up staying mm-hmm. and double majoring in integrative biology and theater and performance studies at UC Berkeley. Oh, wow. And uh, during that time, I actually decided I, I didn't want to go through with the medical school. I didn't want to take the MCATs, it was just a lot, um, and organic chemistry killed me so <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore yeah so so after college I ended up um doing a lot of campaign work for immigrant rights yeah. um but then I was also like journeying into becoming a theater professional and my first gig was assisting directing Desdemona Chiang um at a show at Impact uh-huh. Very oh, nice sure. impact theater. It was called Bread and Circuses. It was like a, oh, it was okay. like a conglomeration of a bunch of um, stories uh, by different like mm-hmm. artists. To yeah. Rights. What was it about? Um, I don't know directing or theater. I mean, I know you came in. They were like really serious, and that may have pushed you away. But there was something about it that said, "Hey, this is something that I yeah that that speaks to me." Yeah. <clears throat> so. I think when we think about Berkeley and UC Berkeley specifically, it's like, oh, it's so liberal and everyone is like Mm -hmm. so diverse and all of this stuff. Um, But the theater department was not reflective of that, Mm -hmm. really. Was it very white? Yeah. Oh. Extremely. Okay. And like the things that they were teaching us was all about these white people. And I was just like, I was one of a few like people of color in the entire department Mm -hmm. um, as students. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, took the acting classes. I auditioned for some stuff, never got into anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they did have roles, like it was like specific as like, oh, we need a Chinese person or, you Mm -hmm. know, but it wasn't like anybody can do anything. Mm -hmm. And so that was really frustrating for me. And I was like, what is like, (laughs) we can't be like, we're so diverse and not be diverse. Right. Um, And so I was like, you know what? The person who has the power in, in the creative process is the director. Uh And I want to put people of color on stage. I want to talk about, you know, being a person of color and race and class and all of those things that people were not talking about. You know, people were doing like, you know, Shakespeare and, and Greek stuff. And I was like, that's cool. Um, but I want to talk about the now. I want to talk sure. about what was going on for me and for, like, the people in my community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the person who can choose to cast is the director. Uh-huh. So I'm going to direct. And mm-hmm. the person who can choose, like, mostly the play is the director. Or mm-hmm. you can go towards something that you're interested right. in, right? And so that's when I decided, like, I'm going to be a director. And I took my directing classes, and all of the stories that I picked were of, like, recent alive playwrights. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I picked a a Robert O'Hara play that was really fun. Um, And, like, David and Henry Huang and things like that. Mm -hmm. And while all of my classmates were doing, you know, the classics and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And I had to go outside of the department sometimes to, like, find people to act in my shows because there weren't a lot of diversity in the theater. Wow. What an indictment of, um, and this was UC Berkeley? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What an indictment. I mean, that, you know, it it just really, really shocks me to hear that. And we've talked about the pros and cons of schools. Mm -hmm. So getting back to you, Jessica, um, what was it about um, 
when did you decide, hey, theater is the thing, or this is, or I need to write? I mean, maybe you're not a theater person. Maybe you just wrote the one-woman show. I don't know. What What is your... Well, I mean, I think what the place that was really... I feel like a fake theater person, <laughs> because my way into it was through comedy. So mm-hmm. I... Uh, I took classes and I dabbled and I'd written little things. I actually was in a, I had a sketch comedy show on cable access TV when I was in middle school with my friends. (laughs) Okay. It was called Completely Brilliant and Uh it was on at three in the morning and all the high school kids would get high and watch it. (laughs) Um, That sounds like fun. Yeah. And we, we filmed it and we edited it and everything. Um, but I had actually forgotten about that until I moved to the Bay Area. I didn't know anyone and a friend invited me to a writing, what women's writing group. And it became a sketch comedy group that was based at Piano Fight called Chardonnay. Nice. Was we, this Piano Fight when it was in San Francisco? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And we were, you know, five, seven white presenting women mm-hmm. called Chardonnay, which is funny. And also Chardonnay is someone's version of classy. And we thought right. that was funny. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> none of us actually like to drink Chardonnay. <laughs> anyway, and that yeah. was really, that was a very collective experience. We wrote together, we performed together, we wrote, we wrote a musical together with seven people writing together. It was a mess. It was right. so hard. Yeah. It was so hard. And, um, and these are some of my closest friends. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and then the pandemic happened and, uh, you know, the easiest thing I could do was write by myself. Mm-hmm. I took a solo <laughs> workshop uh, on Zoom through musicalwriters.com and nice. um, taught by Phoebe Near. And she had done something similar for Actors' Equity for some of their retired folks. Oh. And, um, and I did a 12-minute version of this piece. And then I worked with uh, Megan Cohen, um, who's a local playwright. I don't know if you know her. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She, was, she coached me, so mm-hmm. she helped me expand it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, and she recommended May. And she recommended Sarah, our sound designer. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and and I had some friends. I don't know if you know um, Jessa Brie Moreno. Um, she encouraged me to do a reading in um, February at Piano Fight just before it closed. We got in just before it closed. Wow. And there were like seven people there. But it was an oppor- it was just doing the next thing. I'm just trying to sure. do the next thing and sure. to lead to the next thing, to lead to the next thing. And so I'm a self-producer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I fundraised for this and I hired the people. I'm going to send out 1099s in January. Right. I have a fiscally sponsored project through Fractured Atlas. And all of these things are very new for me. I've never done any of these things before. Mm-hmm. So it has been a really, really crazy and fun experience. And and the play is very personal. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. unusual for me. Yeah, no, we can definitely talk about that. And I was going to ask how the two of you connected, but you just mentioned it. Uh, it was... Um, yeah, I can't believe she's still hanging out with me. <laughs> Every time we met up, I was like, okay, so are you sure you want to do this? I know. Do Every you still want to do this? I'm like, yeah. yes, I do. I'm here. I showed up. Yeah. So <laughs> I, was, I was reading a little bit. I, I, think, I, I, still, I think I still have the, uh, the website up. Eat the Mama. Uh, do I have it here? Yes, I do. And it's basically about a, a solo show of renowned theater artist and comedian Jessica Mealy. Um, early, early motherhood had Jessica facing realities about her body that she has spent her own life since uh, puberty, avoiding and leaking emotions. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But basically it's about In space. In yes. space. Yes. No. In space. In space. Okay. A lot of space. There's a lot of space, which yeah. is why the sound and lighting is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It just came out in this 
solo in this early solo writing workshop, this is what was really emotionally urgent for me, which yeah. is my early motherhood experience of mm-hmm. one son. He's seven now. It took me a really long time to be able to reflect on this period of my life. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it had brought up some, I was so angry for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't understand why. And I didn't unpack what was underneath that. There was mm-hmm. a lot of like shame and guilt that was underneath that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and feeling unloved and really wanting to be loved um, for who, uh, who I am in this motherhood role and not who I think I should be. Yeah. And, um, and that is kind of the thread that runs through the piece and the space aspect. Uh-huh. Uh, space felt like a really good metaphor for a lot of the feelings I was experiencing. Um, isolation. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of burning bodies of gas in space. I was an angry burning body of gas Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a long time. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, stars, star binaries that suck each other's life. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that was kind of a metaphor for my marriage (laughs) at one point in time. So there were a lot of things about the space metaphor that spoke to me and uh, felt really good to weave into the story. I I think the space metaphor, it's almost a parallel to the baby itself being Mm. in the womb Mm. as if they are in space. You know, totally isolated from the rest of the world mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. Fascinating, and you're encompassing the seriousness of the 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 perils, or you know the, how how motherhood can be, mm-hmm. uh, how it can be weighed down, but also balancing it with humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, a lot of humor. A lot yeah. of humor. It's hilarious. It's actually a very hilarious show, and it's funny because like you're laughing and then you're crying, and you're like, "Why am I feeling all of these crazy emotions <laughs> yeah. at once?" But I think in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, like that is the parallel of motherhood. Is like you're laughing, but you're also so emotional at the same. Yeah, time. yeah. I was going to ask you, May, because we've had directors who direct one person shows, like Sean J. West is directing Fred Pitts in um, um, Are You. Are you. Yep. Um, but also, a good friend of mine, Susan Evans, directed uh, another good friend of mine, Carolyn Doyle. And she had a, uh, it was a piece on motherhood, but it, but her son is um, developmentally disabled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he has autism. And Susan had mentioned that being a director, someone who's doing a one-person show, is almost like being a psychologist or a psychiatrist <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, is it? Do you find that parallel to be true? <clears throat> yeah. So that's really interesting that you bring that up because one of the first rehearsals we've ever had, like one of the first things I said to Jessica was like, uh, "I'm going to ask you questions." Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to sound like I'm a therapist, but I'm actually just trying to understand what you're what what you wrote, right? Right. right and so, um, and I just wanted to make sure that you feel comfortable with that, and that I'm here for you. And if things get emotional, they get emotional, and that's okay. Um, but it's it's an extremely personal story. It's so vulnerable. A lot of the things that Jess talks about in the play, like breastfeeding and feeling her feelings about her body and her feelings about her child and her husband, like, um, it's very, very personal. And so, you know, sometimes I would ask a question about like Milo, for example, and I'm like, we had to differentiate. Milo's like, your son? Yes. 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 Is, is her son. And so I, I had to use like quotes cause I was like the character Milo right. <laughs> in the play, not your actual son. Yeah. Or like even her, I was like, so 
Jessica in the play, right. like what is her motivation versus mm. like obviously it is her too. So yeah. I had we had to sort of like I had to create like a differentiation between the character in the play versus like you as the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but then of course like you have to ask questions about like well how were you feeling in this moment when you were breaking down because your husband was like you know. Sure, sure. Um, and so it, it was a very interesting process, but I, I, I mean, I feel like part of it too is like it really helped me. Like I'm going through a process in my personal life as well around, um, you know, trying to be a mother and having oh. that space, yeah. having Jessica and also Jacqueline, our stage manager, who's also a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot, mm-hmm. maybe a little too much about mm-hmm. some of the pregnancy stuff it's a little scary it's a little bit of a body horror but at the same time like I also just felt like really supported in that moment too and in some ways like working on this show was also helping me to understand like my feelings around motherhood and what that means for me and yeah, I feel like this just came at a really good time in my just life. Just think alien, that's all. <laughs> just like alien. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, Jessica, how is that for you? Because sometimes, I know as an actor, mm. even as a writer, there are things that I'll write, but um, I don't know if I want people to get too personal <laughs> into my life. You know, sometimes they may be questions like, okay, I'm saying you're asking me questions, uh, May, but whoa, you're, that's a little... Did you did you feel too vulnerable at some times? Through the process? I, um, you know, I've been getting more comfortable with being vulnerable, um, at least in this story, which is one that I choose to tell. Yeah. Um, May asks really good questions, and that's what makes her a really good director. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes in answering those questions, I had to go back into that vulnerable place I was in when I wrote the material that she's asking about. Yeah. And so she may ask, like, okay, well, what do you think Milo's saying here? And I'll be like, okay, well, the day before he said this, this happened. And here's what I wrote in my journal. And like 20 minutes later, then we can get to the question that she asked. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. And at the beginning of the process, I felt a lot of um, self-consciousness and I don't know if it's shame, but like guilt about being vulnerable. Sure. I felt like I don't, should I bring my feelings into this process? I'm sorry that I have to, but yeah. in order to answer your question, I have to do this and I'm really yeah. sorry, but you're going to hear all my feelings and it may not all be useful. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's my process for yeah. getting to the useful answer. Yeah. But was there a, a question of trust? Um, no, I mean, May, I appreciated what May said at that first rehearsal. She did say, as, as she just um, shared, um, we're going to do some vulnerable stuff and I want to make sure that you're comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really, really appreciated you naming that and saying that. And also, I have a lot of trust in May. I don't know why. We don't know each other. <laughs> we don't know each other very long. Yeah, but I do. Right. Yeah. I was sent a very early copy of the script like a year yeah. ago. And then that's when we started having some email communications. And then we got on Zoom. It was and then and then when this happened, like we finally met in person yeah. <laughs> for the first time. But I just when I first read your work, I was like, this is brilliant. This is like so vulnerable. And we were talking about vulnerability earlier today, right? Yeah. About public figures yeah. and, sure. and, and having to be vulnerable and how um, in some ways, like as women, we want to protect ourselves. We don't want to be vulnerable. Right. And so in reading this play, I was like, whoa, this is blowing my mind because of the sheer 
like rawness of the feelings and the things that she was talking about. And um, so after I read it, I, I started talking to some of my friends who were also moms and I was like, did you experience like <laughs> this? And they're right. like, oh yeah, that was terrible. And I was like, whoa, like why do we not talk about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's because of that vulnerability and you don't want to sound, you know, like ungrateful for your child or you don't want to sound whatever. Yeah. But at right. the same time, like these are the feelings that happen and yeah. the emotions and the hormones and everything. Sure. Um, so reading that I felt was in some ways like, going against the grain of everything we were ever learned as women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and then to, to and then to create a one person show and, and show it to the world, I think is like the bravest, most brilliant thing. No, no. I mean, I mean, I'm very impressed. And of course we as men will never, ever, ever, ever know. Well, we'll see the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. See the show. It reminds me, I, I remember, uh, I attended a class at, at NYU and there was a teacher, Peter DeLorenzo, who was like, mm. Oh, you know, my wife is having a baby and I'm just so jealous of her. You know, I just want to feel what it's like to, you know, be pregnant or whatever. And a lot of us are looking at him like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Sure. Is the grass greener on the other side? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, taking a piece, which is personal and not necessarily artistic, but making it a play. Mm-hmm. How difficult is that? Because a play, as we think traditionally, has an arc. A beginning, a middle, an end. There are beats, there are objectives, and there's a protagonist, or you know whatever it is, and or at least crafting it so that an audience. Because a lot of writing is personal. Yeah. It means something to you, but can it mean something to an a greater audience so that you know audience can see a performance? Yeah. How difficult is creating something, let's say raw, and crafting it into? something that is artistic. Does, does that question make sense? Yeah, maybe I'll answer from a writing perspective mm-hmm. and then you can answer from a directing perspective. Um, I thought a lot about how to structure this because yeah. in my, I have a, in, I tend to be very compartmentalized. Like I've got my free form, artistic side, creative, emotional bit here and then over here I'm like very strategic and very, um, structured in my work life. I've been in philanthropy. I've run nonprofits. Um, and Megan Cohen, my writing coach, had said, like, look, this is your opportunity to bring your analytical brain into this really emotional piece mm-hmm. and to help the two talk to each other. So mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want it to be a straight-up linear story. It's not. Mm-hmm. Although there is a, an element of linear linearity to it. Sure, <laughs> I like that word. Sure. There's like a time. Thank you. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's an element of time to it. That people can follow it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a through line. Mm-hmm. And I did think, um, so, and there are technically three acts, even though the audience doesn't know for my, my purposes of structure, I sure. did make three acts. And they're basically kind of three emotional beats. Mm-hmm. There's like the early motherhood experience, which is a lot of body stuff for me. Sure. A lot of body feelings. There's the um, there's the anger piece, which has to do with my relationship with my husband and my relationship to myself and my relationship to whatever I thought I was supposed to be as a mother. Mm-hmm. And then the third piece is about my relationship with my son, because when you have a kid, you have a person. You don't have just a thing that you take care of. It's a oh my god, it's a person, and we're making we're in relationship with each other, and that um, that is what the third piece is about. So nice. that's how I thought about the writing, the written structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just followed what she wrote. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it's interesting because I think for one person show, like it, it's not, it's less about the 
what we traditionally think about as a play in terms yeah. of like rising action, climax, mm-hmm. things like that. Like we don't, that's not how we think about it. So I followed what Jess did in terms of the emotionality of each act yeah. um, and, and trying to connect I think the connection from one emotional beat to the next was the thing that we had to figure out mm-hmm. in the rehearsal yes, process. Because yeah. it's like, well, why does this follow that now? Yeah. Like, yeah. where did that come from? And I was um, like, I don't know. I just felt like it went there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you have an instinct, right? Like, yeah. and we're just like following that instinct. Yeah. And I can see the instinct. So I just want to, like, as a director, I want to understand this instinct and mm-hmm. see if we can bring it um, into clarity, into focus. Mm-hmm. And I think we did a lot of that. And there were some, like, in the rehearsal process, we only had a two-week rehearsal process. Holy I had her, yeah, I had her memorize basically everything before she came in, okay. wow. and then we just blocked the whole thing. Is it an hour? How how long is the show? Yeah, hour fifteen, something mm-hmm. like okay. that. That's yeah. impressive. It's very impressive. It's she's very impressive. Okay. Um, and so yeah, I I gave her a big task of like let's have it memorized so that we have two weeks just to block it and figure it out. Yeah. And during that process as well, um, there were some things that we were like oh, like it wasn't written in a way that was conducive to that emotion. So we actually just created a couple of lines and mm-hmm. it was all from Jess. Good thing that the writer was there too, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, so maybe it's this or maybe we take out this line, very yeah. small edits, but it, it just, it changed the thing and then it made it work really well. Now here's a question for you, Jess. Um, I'm sure family members have watched this. Um, yes. I'm not going to get into your personal life, you know, uh, your husband, I don't know, um, because it can be um, like, I remember when I wrote my piece, my family came and I was yeah. like, wow, what are they, how are they going to feel about this? Yeah. What about you? Um, well, my husband's seeing the show tonight. Uh, so He's let, never seen it. Yeah. No. Well, has he, has he seen the rehearsal process or the writing or anything of that? He nature? has heard me. So before I did the reading, I practiced it on Zoom with um, Jessa Brie Moreno, and he heard me read the whole thing mm-hmm. before we had done any rehearsal or anything. Yeah. Um, and I sent him, there are a, hand, a couple of pages that are particularly about our relationship, and mm-hmm. I sent those to him, and he has read them. Okay. So he's somewhat prepared okay. <laughs> I don't think he comes off looking he, he doesn't come off looking yeah. bad or anything it's just uh, but it is kind of peeling back sure. the curtain of our relationship at a particular moment in time and my parents have seen it they saw it the last two shows my mom, I think, is like having peak motherhood moment because her two children collaborated on a play, and it's like mm-hmm. she's in Nirvana. Hey, so she happy. should be very proud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my brother's, you know, my brother's seen it because yeah. he's been involved. Yeah, but I, but I know how vulnerable that can be. It's like, oh my god, people are seeing people who've known me for years yeah. or whatever are seeing me in a different light. But uh, it hasn't stopped you at all. No, you know, I think I do think. At another point in my life, mm-hmm. I couldn't have done this. But I am at a, some kind of strange transitional point in my life where this feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this feels not comfortable, but um, there's a momentum to it that feels, uh, that feels right. Yeah. And uh, and I'm not afraid. Yeah. And as I, as I know I would have been even just a few years ago. Yeah. So, um, it's something about who I am now and where I am right now. Yeah. I have a general question. I'm keeping t- I'm looking at the time as well. Um, because, you know, we've interviewed Fred Pitts. We've, I've interviewed uh, Kulwa Alpra. She's a, she's a black woman who, you weren't here, Norman, but mm-hmm. she has a one-woman show. Uh-huh. There's a, a surge of a one-people shows, a lot of uh, one-women shows. I hope so. <laughs> no, I, the Bay Area, when I first moved here, had a, there was a, a trend mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
And I was kind of sad to see it move on. And ironically, it moves on partly because some people rise up. Mm -hmm. They rise up and they move on. You're like, oh, okay, well, you got to see that begin. And that was kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. And other people get drawn in various directions. But um, there was support for it. So when you Mm -hmm. say that, I'm like, I hope that's where we're at. Well, the Marsh has been excellent in supporting. Well, the Marsh has been doing it the whole time. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, these one people shows, it's not comedy. It's not like a comedy skit. Mm -hmm. And it's not a play. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like in that middle part. Mm -hmm. You know, some of it is comedy, but a lot of it is just, hey, I have something to say. Sometimes it's, um, I remember when I helped um, Cat Brooks with uh, Tasha. About the uh, Tasha McKenna who was uh, killed by a police in uh, Virginia. That was one woman show that I did earlier this year. But you have playwrights who have something to say. It's almost, um, it's a type of investigative journalism type. Um, it's mm-hmm. activism plays, I would call. Hmm. These women, I mean, do you think of it as, I mean, not like activism, like, you know, motherhood, but you clearly have a message to say that a message that can't be said in movies or in theaters or in a documentary or it's, it's personal. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, so I guess my question is, do you, do you look at Eat the Mama? And of course it ends on Sunday, but I think it's going to have a life of its own. Oh, I hope so. We're going to do, we're going to do a streaming option on Vimeo. So look for Eat the Mama on Vimeo and I'm creating a Facebook event so people can be updated on stuff. But my question is, do you look at this work Mm. as a sort of activism? Like, hey, mothers, I'm here to talk to you or mothers to be. Uh, You know, I don't, but I also think all art is activism. I mean, depending on what you say and what you choose not to say in your art. um, I I think um, Phoebe Neer, who led the original workshop that I did, that uh, created where I created the beginning of this piece, told me once she said the truth because I was like, who wants to hear this? You know, who wants to hear this shit? She was like, the truth is always interesting. (laughs) And I appreciated her saying that. Mm -hmm. And I think the truth is also always um, resonant with a broader message, whether Mm -hmm. you intend that or not. Right. So this is my experience. This is my story. Everyone's motherhood story is different. Yeah. Um, and, And I think people will recognize pieces of their story and my story and vice versa. So um, so I did not create it with any kind of like intentional message. Okay. And I do hope that it speaks to people and maybe people, people in female bodies who are in that really weird phase or just come out of that really weird, weird early motherhood phase that it brings them some, I don't know, um, comfort and, um, yeah. and feeling that they're not alone. I would think so. I mean, you you mentioned that yeah. the audience last night had tears in their eyes. I'm sure a lot of them were like, wow. There was an audience member who was pregnant. Uh-huh. And yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder what this experience was yeah. like for her, kind of seeing the future of what might happen to right, her right. Um, as she's carrying this child. And it was, I, I just was so curious to, to yeah. think about what she was thinking about while there, watching That's it. actually her second. That's my friend Emma. That's her oh, really? second. and oh. and. She's pregnant with her second, like, very soon after having her first. Oh. Like, they're going to be Irish twins. They're going to be, like, 18 months apart. Mm. And so she's still in that early motherhood phase and, and also, also gestating another human yeah. being. Right. So she's, like, act one, act two right yeah. now. Right, yeah. Right, okay. right. Yeah. 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 So I'm sure there are a lot of women who are going to be like, wow, 
finally someone is saying what I've been having on my mind for a long time or a young mother's like wow thank god I'm learning about this now absolutely uh, yeah. I felt that way when I read it I was like oh I am learning yeah. a lot and now I feel a little bit more prepared to yeah. see what that was going to be like so it's I think it's really important I mean like I think we do theater because we want to say something and at the same time like um, storytelling is is such a good tool to make people feel not alone yes and um, I think that's why we do storytelling yeah you know and so having this story I think is going to be so helpful for mothers who feel like they're alone in the feelings that they have mm-hmm. and feeling shame about the feelings that they have um, and then hearing somebody else say it like it's almost like a relief I think it's like yeah. oh I'm not the only person yeah. who feels this and it's a story that is not being told in exactly movies or theaters or podcasts up here uh and it's just not being you know we hear the cliche of you know the june cleaver mother or you know the you know the mother that you see in sitcoms or in television shows and it's like oh okay i guess that's what it is i think there have been some shows tv shows lately that are a little bit more about the ugliness of early motherhood like there was mm-hmm. working moms which is a canadian show on netflix mm. there was another there was an australian one i can't remember what it was called that was about you know what you know professional women who have babies and like the but it's about that baby phase and this piece is not just about the baby phase it's about like body stuff it's about right. career and it's about the feelings um that you know it's it's just what i loved about this solo theater format is i could do whatever i wanted uh-huh. i didn't have to be beholden to like a tv show's got 30 minutes three acts right. mm-hmm. very structured mm-hmm. and they need to hit certain beats and i don't right. have to do that right and it was there's such freedom in being able to follow the emotional beats and not have to hit like cold open you know tag <laughs> right like it uh there's a lot of freedom in that and so and i think because of that we have a story that interweaves a lot of different themes um in a way that strengthens each one mm-hmm. um yeah no 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 that is awesome and i'm so glad the venue is there like the marsh and other companies should be Welcoming one person. Yeah. How did it end up at uh, down below? Z-space. Z-below, yeah. So I, I, my job, which just ended in August, I was a program officer for the Performing Arts at the Hewlett Foundation. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I knew Schaefer a little bit, who is executive director at Z-Space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Schaefer and I had met again, maybe almost a year ago. And I had was sharing a little bit about this thing that I was working on. And Schaefer had said, well, you know, there's Z-Below. If you ever want to do it at see below let me know mm. and i was like oh okay i had done a sketch show there maybe like 10 mm-hmm. years ago i knew it a little bit yeah um i would have put it on at piano fight like piano fight is my creative home sure. it's um i i painted the baseboards at piano fight like <laughs> i was like i was part of piano fight before they had a theater and so i really wanted to do it at piano fight mm-hmm. but because that wasn't possible, I felt like Z Below was the next best thing. Yeah, yeah. and at Z Below, Danny Hall. You guys work with Danny Hall. He, he usually is the lighting tech, yeah. tech guy there. Oh no. Oh, maybe not. Okay, know. never mind. He's like a no, he's, tall he's, Asian he's, guy. He's oh yeah, Dan. Yeah. Oh Dan, we know him as Dan. <laughs> Dan oh sorry, Dan, Danny boy. <laughs> Dan is awesome. Dan yeah. is yeah. the best. Dan's yeah. my partner on stage. A couple of yeah moments on stage oh. where you see Dan. <laughs> we move, we move the set together at different key moments. Yeah, no, Dan is fantastic, and he we was very Dan. helpful when we did Tasha. Uh, you know, Z below, I, I automatically think of Dan. Yeah. And oh, did yeah. you take it to the rooftop? No. no, but he mentioned it last night, and oh, I really want to so see it. He's so excited about that. He does. <laughs> he does. 
he does. If you guys, if you guys want to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, where do you see where, where do you see not only this piece but also you in the future? It sounds like you're a comedian. Like you do stand up comedy or you do sketch comedy. I don't do stand up. I haven't yet done stand up. Mm-hmm. I have done sketch I think I would like to write I'd like to be paid to write and so we moved to the LA area um, to try that I've written a couple pilots and a couple of spec scripts and mm-hmm. um, and then also this happened in parallel process which is like so lovely um, I want this piece to have another life I want it mm-hmm. to keep I want. I would love to put it up again I'm a self producer so this week was like what I could do yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right. and uh, and maybe there will be an opportunity to put it up again I would really love to do that either in San Francisco or the Bay Area or mm-hmm. in LA or in New York mm-hmm. um, so so hopefully it will have another life and hopefully mm-hmm. I will be able to step more into my creativity in my professional life than I ever have before oh. which is a very scary thing for me mm-hmm. but also exciting yeah no no th- that is awesome and what about you May I mean this is this you've directed before prior to this yes. Is that right yes yes I've been directing since 2013 or something oh, wow. like that nice. I graduated in 2013 okay. so like mm-hmm. and then I started sort of directing 2014 mm-hmm. um, and then assisting before that just to that's like my apprenticeship right is assisting right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah so I've directed with um, like Oakland Theater Project I did um, the world, the West Coast premiere of Endlings last year mm-hmm. um, and then I actually my first out of town gig was working um, at the University of Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh-huh. UNLV? UNLV, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I directed um, She Kills Monsters there this earlier this year. So oh. I've been doing a lot of stuff, but my bread and butter is really like new works. Um, uh-huh. I'm a resident at Crowded Fire, and Crowded Fire has always just been this like hub of new, interesting artists mm-hmm. talking about things that most other theater companies do not talk about. Right. Um, and that's, you know, Mina Morita has and will always be one of my greatest. Mentors. I was just talking with She's Mina. Lovely. I, I was just talking her. with Mina Morita. We were trying to get her on. I've been uh-huh. texting her, so hopefully. Oh get yeah, her on. I hope she comes. She's on. great. She's so great. Actually, she was the one that helped connect me with you. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, that's right. I couldn't find your email address, and I knew <laughs> Mina, and I emailed Mina. I was like, I saw in May's bio that you might know her. <laughs> Can you give... I Google stocked you. Oh, yay! Oh, so Nina flattered. us. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, yeah, so, I mean, I hope to continue to direct. I'm going to be directing at the... Um, the next project is working at the Youth Conservatory at ECT. We're putting on Little Women. Oh. <laughs> so, uh-huh. it's like a female-centered year for me this year. Okay. Um, so, we're doing Little Women. That's going to be opening in November. And then I hope... Um, and then we'll see what happens next year. Awesome. Now, that is fantastic. And uh, once again, uh, Eat the Mama will be at Z Space only this weekend only. It's such a shame that it's such a small run. Yeah. But you're filming it, so I'm sure it'll be streamed. Mm-hmm. And um, We still have tickets for tonight, September, what's today? 16th, 16th. and Sunday, September 17th. Yep. And I've got the link here. So Yay. people don't even have to type or look for the link. They just click on the link Thank and you. they'll find it. Um, birthdays. Birthdays. I can I can go if you. Uh... Oh, I got it. Okay. I actually pulled it up because I was taking notes, um, and it's some funny names. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, there are names that are just surprising to me. Um, there, Seth Seth Munter is somebody I went to high school with, so we did theater in high school. 
Uh, he's uh, last time I talked to him, he was real estate guy in San Francisco, which is an interesting place to do real estate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet. Uh, I'm probably gonna mess his, mess up his name, Salim Razawi. Um, I met as an actor at the SF Playhouse. Um, he's been doing a lot of casting, and he's been working a lot with uh, Plathos. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, then another um, college alum of mine, Mama Ife Tayo Walker, um, is somebody who lives in Oakland, and she and her husband do a lot of different performance stuff, but we met when I was doing theater at San Francisco State. Uh, Andrew Jordan Nance is um, somebody I got to meet as an actor. It always fascinates me when I meet somebody as an actor and then they go on to do other things. So he's been doing administrative stuff at um, New Conservatory Theater. I'm not sure if he's still there, but um, last time we talked, he was. Uh, Champagne Hughes, a young Oakland um, actor, actress, Mm -hmm. um, who is moving into more therapy stuff. Um, She announced earlier this year, I was like, Oh, cool. yay you. Uh, Gary Moore is um, an actor that I just got to meet because uh, he was in Soldier's Play with Jake and... Oh, nice. Um, Terrence. Fred, and, Fred Pitts and, and Fred all that. Yeah, yeah. And then he got to work a little bit on um, the James Baldwin piece that I'm working on. I'm hoping he'll come back and do some more in November mm-hmm. when we do our next. Um, I am gathering, I am collecting... I am acquiring adult children. I, I find myself in the place of playing characters who have adult children. So like in Hamlet, there's Polonius, yeah, who's right. the father of Laertes and Ophelia. I just did Much Ado. I played Leonato, and Hero was my wife, mm-hmm. my wife, my daughter. Mm-hmm. No wives in Shakespeare for some reason. <laughs> um, but anyway, Angelie Johnson, her birthday's coming up this week, and she mm-hmm. was... Fantastic! She would come and do stuff for me on stage because she was being the dutiful daughter. Mm. I'm just like, what are you? What are you? Oh, okay, yeah. You know, you're change. not used. To, you're not used to your daughter collar, doting you, giving me a drink, <laughs> picking things up. She was just constantly sounds nice doting oh. on me. I was like, oh wow, this is great. <laughs> so I have another one. Uh, David Morales is a young actor I met. This last year, I got to do some uh, work at San Quentin, taking oh, wow. uh, acting classes into San Quentin, and he's been a part of that program with uh, Red Ladder. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shinichi Iova Koga, probably messed up his name, but uh, Shinichi has been doing uh, Japanese and Japanese-influenced theater in the Bay Area for a while. He's got a workshop right now called Presence. I didn't actually mm. get that information down. I'm mm. sorry. Uh, a few more. Paul Jennings is another alum from San Francisco State. One of the few people of my generation who I look to for Shakespeare information. The man, especially the whole conspiracy, who wrote, who uh-huh. really wrote the plays. Mm-hmm, yeah. Paul knows all that stuff. He's fan- and he's also just fantastic on stage. He's amazing. I'm going to skip this one because I bet you'll have it. Krista Carson L. High, somebody I went to high school with. And then she got out of college and took over our theater department. She just retired last oh year. Oh, like, wow. Man, I'm old. <laughs> uh, Amber Rubarth, who we've had on. Yes, that's um, right. Was a musical, uh, is a musician, professional musician. And mm-hmm. she... She took advantage of the musical cafe. Yeah, through a play cafe. Um, mm-hmm. Has an arm called the Musical Cafe. Mm-hmm. And they encourage people from all over. So I think these folks were sort of based in Nashville or East Coast. Right, exactly. And she and two writing partners came out. Mm-hmm. And so we got to have them on the show. That was fun. Uh, Julie Evans, 
when I was just starting my own company, the Oakland Theater, Oakland Public Theater, not Oakland Theater Project, mm. um, many, many years ago, I got hired as a director and got to do this wonderful piece, and I got to work with Julie Evans. She is this beautiful woman who is just funny and sharp and amazing, and I'm like, oh, oh my God, I got so lucky. <laughs> uh, Tonya Hafter is... Um, sort of the other partner of the Mexican bus with Richard Talavera. Ah, is that um, still going on? The Mexican bus is not, but for the longest time it was sort of this art performance, <clears throat> rolling art performance piece mm. um, that toured the mission in San Francisco and anywhere. You could go to the Golden Gate Bridge, you could go out of town. Um, but they were constantly hosting things like a Dia de la Muerta, Dia de los Muerta, mm-hmm. Mertos, mm-hmm. Dia de Red. Um, you know, uh, they avoid Cinco de Mayo if they could, uh, but they did other <laughs> they things, the not necessarily you yeah. know, Latin culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that went on for at least a couple of decades. So that just folded right before COVID, probably. Mm-hmm. Sherry Young, who is the artistic director, executive director, not artistic director, executive director of the African American Shakespeare Company. Her birthday's this week. Christine Young, I'm not sure what she's doing in theater anymore, but she's one of the most cool directors and she was teaching at usf university san francisco the jesuit or formerly jesuit college Mm -hmm. i'm not sure what that affiliation is anymore uh phil wong amazing bay area actor who not even sure if he's bay area right now because last i heard he was in ashland yeah that's right uh jimma um somebody i'm met when I was just getting started in Bay Area Theater, um, a wonderful director, and has kind of shifted towards writing more. And she just, she actually just, she doesn't live in the immediate Bay Area, but she was in for a couple of interviews, the sort of like City Arts and Lectures kind of thing. It wasn't that one, but there's one at uh, Zellerbach, I think, and there's mm-hmm. another one somewhere, and she was doing those. I got the notices like last week. I was like, yay, yay, Jima. And last one, Josh. Costello, who is the artistic director of the Aurora Theater. His birthday is Mm -hmm. end of this week. All right. I've only got six. Rajiv Vijay Kamur. Rajiv, who did our sets for Four Men in Paris. I would love to know what he's doing. He's an amazing (laughs) set Yeah, yeah. I would love to as well. He turns 28 years old. So, Rajiv, if you're listening, happy birthday. Uh, Abby Rowan, I think you saved that for me. (laughs) (laughs) I missed that one. I acted with him uh, when we did Before the Dream. Oh, that was last week. Well, that was last week. But his birthday was September the 14th. That was two days ago. Uh, Cat Downs. Wonderful piano player. Um, I think that I worked with her when the old, um, oh shucks, uh, the Darkroom Theater, when that was still mm. going on. Uh, do, you, do you have connections with the Darkroom? I performed at the Darkroom many times with Chardonnay during sketch comedy. Yeah. yeah. Sketch fest shows and yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful interview. It's a lovely, Jim, dirty old theater. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Fortinitis, I'm sure I'm screwing his last name up, but he owned the Darkroom with his wife mm-hmm. before it closed down. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like the CBGBs. Of, of Bay Area Theater on 17th, I think between 17th and 18th admission. But in any case, Kat, happy birthday. Her birthday is on the 17th, that's uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Brandon Campamneal, uh, I acted with him. We did Godspell together. He ah. was Jesus Christ and he was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, who else do I have? Rebecca Loveless. Um, she and I were, um, I was a stage manager. She was one of my uh, tech helps. Um, so I always want to recognize the tech folks. Um, yes, we worked on Bat Boy the Musical uh, at 
at a rave light theater. So that was very cool. So Rebecca, happy birthday to you. Uh, AJ, you had that, that for me. Yes. AJ Antonis Marquis, a wonderful choreographer. He and I uh, were an actor. On, and an actor as well. He and I were on stage when we did 110 in the Shade. Tell you how dedicated he was. He actually broke his foot uh, during tech. But because uh, he had a um, he had a special he had a um, a solo dance um, oh. tap dance oh, no. thing for the show, oh, and he was so committed he still did it. Oh, <laughs> no. uh, and he also I had a little mini musical that I wrote called Nia, and he directed that, so he was oh. wonderful. So um, it's wonderful to be your community helping each other out. So yeah. AJ, happy AJ, birthday to you! And, and AJ was almost uh, the show that I worked with word for word and we got to take a show to France and AJ wasn't able to take the time off. I was like, dude, oh. we've done readings together. It would have been a chance to actually work. That would have been Yeah, a yeah. And the last one that I have, I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts and alumni of mine uh, who graduated a year after me was Regina Johnson. Uh, she had a little stint in Hollywood where, you know, she was a actress and she was on TV and now she's back home in D.C. taking care of uh, her mom. So, Regina Johnson, a uh, wonderful and beautiful actress. Uh, happy birthday to you. That's it shows. I don't ha- I'm going to look up this presence thing, but I don't have Okay. I will begin. Of course, we want to pump uh, Eat the Mama, which will be at the Z Below, <laughs> September 15th. I'm sorry, 14th through 17th. Well, 14th is gone. So, uh, catch it, and uh, I have a link, so you don't have to type anything. Just click on the link. Also, Cruel Intentions, Rave Light Theater is doing that September the 8th through October the 1st. Mara Sotelo is in that show. Check that out. Bald Sisters at San Jose Stage, September the 13th through October the 8th. Jeffrey Lowe, who directs everything, is directing that. He does. Uh, he, does. he really does. <laughs> it was great to have him on the show. I want to get him back on again. Uh, he was on when we uh, when during COVID, so it was only Zoom, but I'd love to have him in the room. Another one-person show, Art You, is at the Marsh, September the 23rd through October the 21st. It's got an extended play. Uh, Fred Pitts is the writer and actor in that one-man show. Shotgun Players is doing Wolf Play, September the 2nd through October the 1st. Elizabeth Carter is directing it. Maya Herbsman is the intimacy choreographer for that. And the lighting designer is Dr. Stephanie Johnson. They've all been on the yay, so check that out. And it is amazing. I saw it last weekend. Yeah. I think it is the show in? of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Presence um, is a workshop that integrates integrates feeling states with physical movement to develop the elusive yet palpable quality known as presence. Mm-hmm. So that'll be um, Saturday, September 30th, uh, and Sunday, October 1st, at the Western Sky Studio in Berkeley, California. And you can find a page for it, presence on mm-hmm. uh, Facebook. Nice. Also, New Conservatory Theater is doing Before the Sword. Um, that opened September the 15th. Well, that was yesterday. And it closes October the 15th. Kim Donovan and Radhika Rao are in that show. We both had them on the show. Um, Cymbeline, um, that will close. Did that close already? No, no, no. no. It's going to be at um, Orinda. At, yeah, uh, that, is, that is um, right. <laughs> SF Shakes is at Cal Shakes. Yes. And Echo Yamamoto, uh, and she's been on a bunch of stuff. She's been on a tear. Mm-hmm. She is in that show, and she will be in Disenchanted at the San Jose Playhouse. It is a dystopian tale of Disneyland. (laughs) So check that out. October the 12th through November November the 5th. And then Echo will be in Sleeping Beauty at the Presidio Theater, December the 1st through the 30th. Oh, Sharon Shaw. And Sharon Shaw will be in that show as well. 
Yeah, Sharon is is fantastic. I uh, she I wrote a little mini piece, and she was in that uh, when we did the Breck project. Sharon's wonderful, and I'm sure she'll be wonderful in Sleeping Beauty. Uh, Nollywood Dreams, San Francisco Playhouse is doing that September the 28th through November the 4th. Mm-hmm. Angel Adedokin and Tanika Baptiste are in that show. Margot so Hall out. is directing and it. And Margot Hall, Hall is directing it. Uh, Anna Christie uh, will be at the Eugene O'Neill Foundation. That's actually being, it's run right now, August the 2nd through September the 24th. Adrian Dean is the star of that show, and she is our next guest. She oh. has been on the show, yeah, yeah, and she's yeah. coming back. <laughs> yeah, Adrian. So uh, she uh, is in the show, so you should check that out. And that's one's a little weird, because I just got in touch with them. The website says it's completely sold out, and I'm like... I do. I get. Uh, I work with these people. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure. friend of the band. Friend of the band. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure you'll get a hookup. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It'll, it'll see what happens. And uh, we want to push uh, other uh, podcasts. Uh, we had Aaron Henney on, and he is the uh, artistic director of theater Dybbuk, mm-hmm. and they have the Dybbukast. I talk about yeah. Jewish American uh, theater. So check that out. Uh, Barry Graves. A good friend of ours. Uh, he has a podcast called The Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Uh, Mallory Samara, our consulting producer, her day job is KCBS Radio, so she has two podcasts called As Prescribed and It's Generational, so check that out. The Central Works Script Club is a podcast at Central Works where you can download and read her play script and then listen to an audio interview with a playwright. It's delivered semi-annually. Uh, Aaron Haney, I talked about that. Uh, Bindlestiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. So check out the Fobcast app. And um, I know a wonderful Christmas gift, the oh. Yay jerseys. Hey, hey. <laughs> we have black, we have white. I have them on my uh, uh, table. table right there if you want to grab one. It's $30. Just PM me, DM me, whatever the kids say, and I'll hook you up. Uh, Norman, did you have something else? Oh, I was just going to say, so... Um Baldwin, um, the Baldwin project. Baldwin project. Yes. We will be doing a live performance in November, but the end of every month we do the last Sunday of every month we do a Baldwin salon that'll be on Zoom, and uh, we will be looking at the rough draft of the script that we're going to perform in November. So, yep. if people are interested in that, uh, there'll be information on Facebook under Baldwin Sightings. Yep. Yeah, it'll be the 100th anniversary of Baldwin's next, birth. Next, mm. His birth next August. Yeah, wow. and so that's what the Baldwin Project is about, wow. to celebrate the life and you know the and, work uh, of and the incredible Baldwin. work of James Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so prolific. Great. Yeah. yeah. In any case, ladies, did you have a wonderful time? Uh, yeah, it's our first podcast. <laughs> Thank so you much so fun. much. Yeah, people can't see, but there's like snacks and oh, drinks. Yeah, like, yeah. It's fantastic. Snacks. There's a I, full bar. <laughs> yeah, I truly wanted you guys to feel comfortable. And Thank you. I mean, we're a bunch of men. Of course, we don't know what it is to be a mother or whatever. But your story is very important. So we really wanted to push, you know, your story and everything that that you're doing. So. In any case, we're on Apple Podcast app, that purple podcast on your iPhone and iPad. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Overcast, which is my favorite app to yep. use to listen to podcasts, SoundCloud, and we're also on Amazon's podcast because Jeff Bezos owns everything. Why not have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Just go to music.amazon.com, search for The A, and you will find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let's Hit us up. We're on. I don't know if we want to do X anymore, <laughs> or or Twitter yeah. slash X. It's, it gets worse by the day. Yeah, right. but we it are does. on. Um, we are on uh, Facebook. We're on. Uh, 
what is that? Um, uh, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. I'm at the age, the Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Are you ladies on social media at all? Can people yeah. directly yeah. contact you? Yeah. I'm um, I'm on Instagram, which I I need to tell you, I only partially understand how it works. Mm-hmm. My handle is at M E L E S seven eight, and I am on Twitter, which is now X, and it's at Jess C Mealy. M-E-L-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a website for my consulting practice and my writing, and it's yeah. jessicameelycreative.com. Yeah, yeah. And I am terrible at promoting it, so thank you for asking. Yep, and we will have links to that as well. What about you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at abaymay. <laughs> A-A-Y-B-A-Y-M-A-Y. Nice. Abaymay, yep. Hey, hey, hey. That yeah. is catchy. If you're looking for, and yeah, and you know, for folks who want to reproduce your wonderful show, Eat the Mama, yes, hit you know Please. Jessica up. Hit me up. It would be amazing if we could tour this. I would love and to just do it again. Go around yeah. and, and if you're looking for talk to the Marsh, yeah, exactly. And also, if uh, people are looking for a great director, you can't go wrong with uh, yeah, Mary Young. Thank you. <laughs> finger snaps. All righty. Well, thank you so much. And as Norman and I always say. We We gotta gotta find find a better better sign off. off. And we are out.